Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to today's episode of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. Growth doesn't just happen. My goal is to help you become intentional about it. Each week, we spotlight leaders from a variety of fields, organizations, and locations. And my goal is for you to see that leaders can be catalytic no matter where they are or what they lead. I draw inspiration from the stories and journeys of these leaders, and I hear from many of you that you do too. Let's jump in to today's interview. I'm so excited today to have James I. Bond on the podcast. James is one of America's leading behavioral management and business marketing specialists. He's the author of the multi-award-winning book, Brain Glue, How to Sell Easier by Making Your Ideas Sticky. For 13 years, he ran one of Southern California's leading behavioral management firms, working with a who's who of American business. Early in his career, he ran an advertising agency in Montreal, working with a wide range of Fortune 500 and smaller firms. He's a past workshop chairman and sold-out workshop leader for the resource partner of the U.S. Small Business Administration, has been a featured guest speaker at three Southern California universities and has been a popular guest on a wide range of marketing and business podcasts. And today he is with us. James, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being on the show. William, thank you for having me. Thank you. I I would love for you to share some of your story, James, with our listeners, particularly around your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started? So um, (laughs) there are lots of different pieces of this one. I'm the oldest of four kids, boy, girl, boy, boy. Okay. My middle brother was a fabulous salesman and I was um, a good technical person. Hmm. And so uh, we actually built an advertising agency in Montreal and family and business doesn't always mix. (laughs) I love my brother, John, dearly, dearly, but, and I've learned a lot from him, but not in business. (laughs) Let's go there. (laughs) But um, it really made me mad that he could sell me better than I could sell me. Mm. And uh, I became, uh, you know, I remember we were, we we won major clients in Montreal. I moved to Southern California about 37 years ago. We actually named our middle daughter. We gave her the initials L.A., Lauren Asia, A-J-A. Nice. So we go, how, old, how long have you been in Southern California? How old's Lauren again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do that. But um, so I remember we're in, uh, we had an opportunity when uh, Avon Cosmetics of Canada, uh, you know, a big uh, project for them. And uh, we're sitting with the buyer from Avon and uh, uh, he looks at my brother, John, and me, and he says, John, you know, it's between you and this other company. We'd rather work with you guys, frankly, but you're more expensive than the other guys. And so my brother, John, with his brilliance of marketing, understood this and said, why do you think the other guy's so cheap? (laughs) And there's a long pause, you know, me not understanding everything at that point. This was quite a while ago. You know, there's a long pause and I suddenly realized, wait a second. Uh, and the guy says, um, I get your point. Let me write up a purchase order. And I'm thinking like, what? We didn't have to lower our price. He's actually <laughs> working with us because our price is higher. 
wow. And it started me understanding emotional selling. You know, something happened that was like more profound than I thought. And I started becoming fascinated with the concept of emotional selling. I was in school. I did mechanical engineering in school. But I loved um, um, uh, psychology. I became passionate about psychology and art. That's how I got into advertising, actually. And I was fascinated by it. But so I'm a logical person. And so we had the opportunity. You know, we won major clients, Kraft Foods, Timex Watches, Mm -hmm. uh, Avon Cosmetics, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is there. It's funny because I'm not a drinker. So, of course, (laughs) you know, we win Seagram's, what can I say? Um, But um, we had an opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America with powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then we lost. And it blew my mind what we lost to. We lost to a, a commercial with a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain. And cracking a shell and dropping the eggs into a sizzling frying pan with exaggerated sizzling sound. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And when I saw that ad, two things happened. First is it blew my mind. This was infinitely more powerful than the ads that we created. Even though there were mm-hmm. our ads were strong, logical reasons why you shouldn't do drugs. But this was emotional, not logical. There was no logic. I guess it fries your brain. Your brain gets fried, you know? I remember that ad. It's powerful. Oh, it's it was incredible. And I knew it was incredible. I knew it was like we deserve not to win because we don't understand emotional selling. And it terrified me because I don't understand how to do emotional selling like that. Mm-hmm. I know logic. I can throw logic all day at you. Yeah. But emotion? And it fascinated me. So I, I, I wrote Your Brain on Drugs on a 3 by 5 card. And um, I next to my computer, I put a box, and I called it the passion box. Mm. And every time I saw an ad or heard something that was emotionally powerful, including a quote somebody might say, I had President John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Oh, interesting. So I wrote that on a 3 by 5 card. I put it in my passion box. And I would start putting things in the passion box. My wife hated going to doctor's offices with me. Because, you know, in a doctor's office, you get a magazine you don't normally see. I'm Vogue magazine. I don't subscribe to Vogue. And I'm going through Vogue magazine. I go, wow. And she goes, do not tear it out of the magazine. I said, no, no, this has to go in the pa- Look at this. It has to go in the passion box. And she was like, oh, she sat far away. I do not know that guy, you know. And after, after more than 10 years of putting incredible quotes and ads inside the passion box. So it's almost overflowing. We'd moved to Southern California. I met John Gray and John Gray was telling me, he's an author. And he was telling me about this incredible book he wrote, which I have a copy of actually called men, women and relationships. But he was frustrated because it only sold a few thousand copies and ultimately 20,000 copies. And, uh, but he knew this was fantastic. Everyone who read the book, thought it was the best best relationship book they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And yet he couldn't get tons of people buying the book. So he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? And then tweak the content just slightly so it's consistent with so it refers to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus throughout the book. But it's the same book. What do you think happened? Almost overnight, half a million people bought his book. You know, from 20,000 to half a million, okay, to a million, to two million, to five million. I know, I know Steve Harrison. Steve Harrison uh, helped him with marketing. And, and I, in my book, I say he sold, over 10, he sold over 10 million copies. And Steve said, no, 
And I'm like, oh, no, did I mess up? He said, no, no, we're over 50 million copies already sold. <laughs> so he went from 20,000 to 50 million copies just because he changed the title of the book. Yeah. I mean, like, I thought my brain was going to explode. And I, so I, as I'm writing um, Men Are From Mars on a 3 by 5 card, I suddenly realize it's a metaphor because men aren't really from a different planet. <laughs> Although some people probably think we are, but and I can understand why, but anyway. But no, but we're not really, it, it's a metaphor. And so when I got home, I'm wondering, is metaphors the secret to emotional selling? I mean, it certainly is with the brain, your brain on drugs with a, an egg. I mean, it's not an egg. It's not your brain, it's an egg, but it's a metaphor. It's like it, that, a metaphor or simile. So when I got home, I dumped the passion box on my bed and I quickly discovered 14 brain triggers that metaphors is one of 14 brain triggers and it blew my mind i suddenly realized you know we we're we're we invent products or find something that we love for emotional reasons i um um zig ziglar changed my life i was at a conference early on i mean he's passed away now but i i was at a i went to one of his uh, conferences uh, early on with my wife and he said something that's just so powerful. He said, um, selling is a sell. You, do, you don't have to teach somebody how to sell. Everybody knows how to sell. We And selling, and if you think of it this way, selling is a transference of passion. If mm. you're passionate about something, if you saw a movie that you love, I don't have to teach you how to sell that movie. You're going to go, oh, man, I just saw this movie. It was so I saw The Martian. I love The Martian. Or uh, Hidden Figures, you know, mm. about the black women who are in yeah. uh, NASA. Yeah. And they got building named after one of them. And it's just amazing. And they're fabulous movies. You don't have to tell me how to sell that. It's like, oh, man, this is such a good movie, blah, 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 and everything else. It's transference of passion. And yet we're trained from school to be logical, be very logical. If they have debate classes... You know, it's like, be, what's a logical reason why you should not do this? And yet it's overcoming the biggest problem. And the problem is more than there, there are two major studies uh, from uh, Daniel, uh, from uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, two major guys. One guy's a Harvard uh, a professor and the other one is a Nobel Prize winning psychologist. Uh, and uh, they showed how more than 90 percent of buying decisions are emotionally triggered. Logic could be a part, but it's emotion. You know, they say in marketing, we always say no like trust. You know, make sure yeah. you, you know, make sure a person knows, likes you, and trusts you. You don't always have that opportunity. But I mean, if you had somebody who's trying to sell you something, you didn't like the person, you're not gonna buy from them usually. It's like, yeah. you know, I'll struggle instead of buying from you because I can't stand you. You're an idiot or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So you want to have that. But often, particularly with advertising and marketing, we don't have that luxury. I mean, unless you're a famous person, okay? But you got to get famous. <laughs> How do you that's get right. there? And so that's why brain glue becomes so powerful. It was, you know, so I remember this term, uh, Jack and Joe went up the hill. hill, okay? How many people know remember that one, okay? And even if you don't, you kind of know it's going to come, okay? It's because um, rhyme sticks to the brain. I mean, I, I the last time I heard that was maybe 10, 20, maybe 50 years ago. I'm pretty old. So what can I say? <laughs> but the point is, it sticks to the brain. I could be on my deathbed and I say, hey, James, James, what? Jack and Joe went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. You know, <laughs> on my deathbed, I'd remember it because it sticks to the brain. Yeah. And so what I remembered was, I, it, you know, what I realized was there are certain things that stick to the brain. And when you understand what they are, 
it makes it easier to sell your product or idea because it's the it's the emotion centers of the brain are connected to decision making. Yeah. And so, you know, we think logically, but I'll go back to this is your brain on drugs. I mean, I realized or men are from Mars, women are from Venus. How did I buy men are from Mars, women are from Venus? I was at a bookstore. I mean, today it's online like Amazon or whatever, but I was at a bookstore. I'm looking at a book, book, book. Okay, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Okay, what? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus? What the heck's that? And I picked it up. By the way, if somebody picks up your product, there's a better chance they're going to buy your product. Yeah, that's right. On Amazon or, or online, if somebody clicks on it to read it, there's a better chance you're going to buy it. So you want to get their attention, Yeah. Okay. And I picked it up, I started looking and said, oh, wow, this is great. And then I got bought the book, okay? So I'll give you an example of how this applies um, <laughs> with a stay-at-home mom. Hmm. Here's a stay-at-home mom who created a Facebook page. She had she didn't spend any money at all. I mean, think of how many people spend a fortune on social media marketing, right? This stay-at-home mom spent zero on marketing and has more than 5 million fans. So how does she have more than 5 million fans? <laughs> so she created a Facebook page and she said, okay, so, you know, I'm a mommy. So let's see, what does mommy need? Mommy needs time to herself. Mommy needs a rest. I know what mommy needs. Mommy needs vodka. <laughs> mommy <laughs> needs vodka. <laughs> so how did, I, how did she get 5 million fans? I Like I'm one of her fans. I must know somebody who's one of her fans. And somehow I saw one of her posts, okay? As they shared it. So I'm looking at the post. I go, oh, yeah, this is pretty good or pretty funny. And I said, who's it? It's by Mommy Needs Vodka. Because you always see, you know, if you see something you like, you often see who it's yeah. from. Mommy Needs Vodka? <laughs> so what did I do? Like the book in the bookstore. Whoa, what's that? Okay. I clicked on it to see her. And it took me to her page. And I saw the post on her page. I loved her post. I said, I got to be a fan. I became a fan. And that's how she got 5 million people because, you know, she started, you know, people started sharing some of the posts she had. She probably had real friends anyway, but people, she, she started sharing the posts and then people started looking at, like I did, you know, okay, it's a cool post from mommy needs vodka, but it wakes up your brain. And when it wakes up your brain, suddenly you have a better chance. You have a better chance if it wakes up their brain of getting them to buy from you. Mm. Okay. I mean, so I have this, I have this metaphor, which is one of brain glue tools. And I want to give you a whole bunch of examples of brain glue as we go through this, but let me give you this example first. Okay. Of why brain glue works. So when you get out of your home, you're driving, you're going somewhere, maybe to work or to someplace. Okay. You're driving past all these buildings, you know, maybe homes down the street or apartments, wherever you live, you know, Every day you're not going to go. Oh, look at that one! Oh, look at that one! Oh, look! You know, no, you know, you ignore them. You've, you've driven past them so many times. You just drive down the street and you're not even looking. One day you're driving down the street, and in one of your neighbors, out of his window, or out of their window, is flames. Are you going to stop? What's that? Are they? Is their house on fire? Do they know? Is our house going to burn down? You know, it's a trigger. There's a brain trigger, and so. What you want is in advertising, it's the same thing as you look at ad, 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 okay, ho, ha, ha, ad, 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 okay? And then what you want is you want yours to have flames coming out of it. You want to add it. Whoa, what's that? Huh. <laughs> uh, David Ogilvy was in the early days of the advertising business, okay? So there's something called asymmetry. You know, there's symmetry, which is, um, there's something in, in brain glue called redintegration, which is the mind's need for completion, Okay. And it's like if you, it, it, I'll give you a great example of, well, 
my wife likes symmetry, okay? There's some guys that you'll see on TV and they got like a lazy eye mm -hmm. and it drives her crazy. She covers half their face and they look like one person. You cover the other half, you look like it's a totally different type of person because they have a lazy eye and it drives my wife nuts more than me, but she loves symmetry. So symmetry is very important, but asymmetry is also important where something is off balance, okay? Like some guy who has a lazy eye grabs your attention, okay? So, um, David Ogilvy is, uh, he's, you know, he was one in early days of the advertising industry. He was like really famous and he was doing ads for Hathaway shirts. Now, you know, people, if you know, Warren Buffett, his company is called Berkshire Hathaway because he bought Hathaway shirts because they were so rich. Okay. And because he liked their shirts, I guess. So, but so you're running an ad, a full page ad in a magazine for a shirt company. So what would you have? You have a good looking guy in a shirt, nice pair of pants you know, shoes probably, and a nice background, okay? So we flip page, 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 page. And David Ogilvy recognized that. So what did he do? He put an eye patch on the guy, like he's a pirate, okay? <laughs> an eye patch on the guy. And then the, the headline was the man in the Hathaway shirt. He never explained why the guy had an eye patch on. So what's happening? You're going flip page, page. What's this guy with an eye patch on? What the heck's that all about? Man in a Hathaway shirt? Huh. And so what did he do? He grabbed your attention with the eye patch, and then he wrote the words, a man in a Hathaway shirt. So now you understand the Hathaway sticks to your brain, okay? That's good. And it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't know this. How did Marilyn Monroe become famous? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. So her name was Norma Jean, I think, Mortensen. And so she was, you know, so her, her manager said, Norma Jean isn't that good a name. If you want to be successful, you should change your name. Marilyn is a good name. So she went, okay. And then her, I think it was her stepfather named Monroe. So she went Marilyn Monroe. Well, Marilyn Monroe uses alliteration, repetition of sound. That's to start with, okay? And so in business, I started realizing how many blockbuster products use alliteration, repetition of sound. Rocky Road ice cream. And I'll talk about Rocky Road in a second, but that's a powerful yeah. one, okay? Because Rocky Road uses a lot of tools. Um, but Coca-Cola, PayPal, Best Buy, TikTok. Lululemon, as a lot of women remind me of, okay? <laughs> you know, they use alliteration, which is a repetition of sound, and that sticks to the brain. It's one of the things that sticks to the brain. So uh, so Marilyn changed her name to, so uh, Norma Jean changed her name to Marilyn Monroe. Her Then her uh, her idol back then, early movie star, was Jean Harlow. And Jean Harlow has platinum blonde hair. So Marilyn went to the same hairdresser that, that does Jean Harlow's hair and had... Um, her hair colored the same color, platinum blonde. So now Marilyn is Mar now Jean Harlow is Marilyn Monroe with platinum blonde hair, and she looks really good. But she's got a she's got a um, a beauty mark on her cheek, so she covers it up with makeup. But one day she's looking at photographs of Jean Harlow, and she notices on some photographs Jean Harlow has a beauty mark on her cheek, and on some photographs it's on her chin. And then she goes, "Wait a second! I bet she doesn't even have a beauty mark." I bet she's just putting a dot on her face to bring attention to herself. Hmm. So Marilyn decides, instead of covering my beauty mark, I think I'm going to darken it so it jumps up. So when people look at me, they see it. And she believed that that had a lot to do with her becoming famous. I mean, she's good looking and all that stuff. But, you know, so um, there are famous people. Um, there are a lot of famous people um, who used um, that concept as um, um, as uh, – <laughs> The advertiser did, okay, with the guy with the eye patch. Cindy Crawford is a good example. Cindy Crawford is a supermodel. 
And when she was young, in her biography, she talks about this. When she was young, she had a, a big beauty mark or birthmark above uh, her left lip. And it drive her, drove her nuts. And she begged her mom, can you take me to the store, uh, to the doctor and have this removed? And she, right now she says, I am so glad my mom didn't. Because I believe my beauty mark is a huge reason why I became a supermodel. And she is a massive supermodel. And so, like, these are, like, tools. When I started understanding these tools, uh, it blew my mind because I realized how many emotional triggers are used by top, um, you know, using brain glue by people who are massively famous, hmm. uh, by products that are massively famous, et cetera, often with spending almost no money on advertising. Okay. And so let me give you a whole bunch of examples of things that like really blew my mind that relate to brain glue. Okay. Yeah. I created this list. So I'm so excited about it. Uh, stranger danger. They tell this to young kids now. So, you know, remember, and it sticks to the brain because you want to be What are you careful of? Stranger danger. Okay. You know, online, what's your, what are you afraid of? Stranger danger. So that works for kids. Okay. Give a hoot. Don't pollute was really <laughs> powerful. Okay. Why don't you just say, stop, you know, it's polluting, stop throwing the garbage in the street. Okay. But no, give a hoot. Don't pollute is powerful. How about this one? The whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never so, heard that one. <laughs> so um, Wonder Bread invented sliced bread. Yeah. So when people say, wow, that's the smartest thing, and that's the greatest thing since sliced bread, they don't realize they're actually referring to Wonder Bread. And Wonder Bread would bleach it, so it would be like bleach white. But back in the early days of uh, uh, you know bread, when they introduced Wonder Bread, for 10 years they dominated the bread market because they had sliced bread. Okay, And, and because of that, it kind of hooked people onto it. And it was unique because it's white bread. But their competitors, there was a, well, we have uh, COVID, they had uh, pellagra. An illness that comes from lack of vitamin B3, which is required for our body. And people would actually die from it, just like they're dying from COVID. They died from COVID, although not that many. Anyway, I don't want to get into the COVID story. But um, so they recognized that it, because Wonder Bread bleaches this bread, it kills lots of the nutrients inside the natural bread. And so the competitors said uh, they, they would talk to... Um, uh, journalists and they would say, yeah, so you have to understand the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. And the journalists would go like, what? And they would fall in love with that headline. Yeah. And they would explain it's because there's a lack of vitamin B3. And because of that, you know, they're helping everybody get sick and, and dying. And so journalists took that quote because it stuck to their brain and they started mm-hmm. putting full page headlines, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. You know, breads like Wonder Bread, the bleach their bread, kill enough. Now, wow. Wonder, Wonder Bread went from dominating the bread industry to almost bankrupt. What they did was they invented fortified food. Now they put the niacin, which has lots of B3 and other vitamins and minerals inside the food. So they invented the idea of putting, you know, of enriching uh, food products. If they didn't do that, they would have gone bankrupt hmm. because a competitor came up with the phrase, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. And that resonated with everybody. It sticks wow. everybody's brain. Um. President John F. Kennedy says, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's something called chiasmus. And I'll tell you how chiasmus works, okay? So chiasmus is um, a flip where rhyme is A-B-A-B. Rhyme, uh, uh, chiasmus is A-B-B-A, a flip. And I'll explain how that works, okay? Winners never quit and quitters never win. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Get going, okay? My wife hates this song. It's when you can, if you can't be with the one you love, 
<laughs> Love the one you're with. <laughs> right. He says, turn that off. Why she hates that song, okay? <laughs> I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. See the flip? Okay. I have this one. I'm older, so I can relate to this one. I'd rather wake up and pee than pee and wake up. Okay. <laughs> Always so, true. Always true. Many of us can relate to that one. But that's chiasmus, and chiasmus is really powerful. So famous people like um, um, like Malcolm X, the civil rights activist, loved chiasmus. Okay. And so he used, he said, uh, we didn't, he's a black guy who's trying to tell people, you know, if you want to say, you have no idea how hard it is being a black person in America. That'll go in one ear and out the other. Not that people don't care about it, but because we've heard it so many times. But what he said was, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And it just it resonates in a totally different way. Uh, he has another line, which is great. And a lot of people don't realize it came from him. He said, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Mm, yeah. The power of chiasmus, the power of brain glue tools. These are tools that are wired into us. And when you understand, uh, when you understand the tools and how powerful they are. So, how powerful could this tool be? Could it get a guy off from an almost certain guilty verdict in a murder trial? They're going to throw this guy to j in jail forever because he killed his wife and the wife's girlfriend, uh, boyfriend, right? <laughs> no, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Okay, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Uh, there were O.J. Simpson's trial. Uh, there were I remember after the trial, there were two of the jurors who were being interviewed, and one of them was answering the questions while the other one was nodding her head in agreement. And the journalist said, with all that evidence against O.J., and there was a ton of evidence against him, with all that evidence against O.J., why do you find him not guilty? And with confidence, she said, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit, so we had to acquit. You know, they found a glove that they believe was a murderer's glove. And so it, it's like it's stuck to their brain. And so I, I can see them in the jury room every time they say, well, look at this piece of evidence. Look at this. Yeah, yeah, but the glove don't fit. You must acquit. Yeah, yeah, but how about this piece of evidence? Yeah, but the glove don't fit. You The glove don't fit. You must acquit. Because it sticks to the brain where all this evidence doesn't stick to the brain as much as something that uses a brain glue tool. Hmm. Um, uh, famous people use it like um, – Zig Ziglar, you need to get a checkup from the neck up to avoid stinking thinking that uh, um, um, gives you hardening of the attitudes. <laughs> you know, he uses lots of he loved um, uh, brain glue type tools. He didn't call them brain glue back then, but he loved brain glue type tools and it helped him become famous. I have this great one from Warren Buffett. I work with Warren Buffett's team. They brought me in because I'm one of America's leading behavioral management specialists. So it was lots of fun. But um, Warren Buffett has this great line. Only when the tide goes out do you realize who's been swimming naked. Great quote. <laughs> oh, what a f I mean, is that now what's he basically saying is only when times get tough do you realize who's has really who's really capable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But if you say that, okay, it goes in one ear out the other because you've heard it or you can relate to it. Okay, it's logic. But emotion, only when the tide goes out do you realize who's been swimming naked? <laughs> I mean, you got a visual on that one. <laughs> but it's really, it's just it it's just it, it triggers parts of the brain. It does two things. It triggers parts of the brain so you, it becomes memorable, so you, it sticks to the brain. But it also triggers the parts of the brain that have to do with the emotion parts of the brain where decisions happen. And so when you, so how would you like to invent a product and your biggest competitor steals the idea from you and makes so much money that you have to stop selling the product because nobody's buying yours, everybody's buying his? Ooh. Wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah. Welcome to Pop-Tarts. 
Okay. <laughs> so Post Cereal uh, is competitor to Kellogg's. And so the, the head of Post Cereals decided to come up with um, this little cake that has, um, you know, real jelly inside it, you know, for strawberries and, and raspberry and blueberry and stuff like that. And you put it in a toaster, cook it a little bit in a toaster and then pop it up. And it, okay. And he was so proud of himself that two months before he launched the product, he bragged about, we have this new product coming out. What's it called? Country squares. You put it in your toaster and da da da. So the head of Kellogg's went and said, What? You put it in a toaster, you come up. Oh, fantastic. You got all the people working for him. You have to invent, figure out how to do this right now. You got to figure out how to do this. They figured out how to do this. And he said, Well, what are we going to call it? Well, back then, Andy Warhol was famous and he was a pop artist. And so everybody knew the term pop art. Also, if it pops out of the toaster, pop, it pops right. out of the toaster. So you got the sound that goes with it also, which is another brain glue tool, pop, okay? So he went, we have to call it Pop-Tarts. He called it Pop-Tarts, and it's and he launched it a week before post-launch Country Squares, okay? Because <laughs> Post Ooh. figured nobody's going to be competing with us. We have this great product. Huh? Pop-Tarts? It sold out immediately. They, they couldn't believe how much inventory. They ran out of all their product. And wow. so what they, he did was the head of Kellogg's ran, ran full-page ads in major newspapers saying, we apologize. We ran out of Pop-Tarts because you guys, so many people love it so much. But hold, but hold on. In less than a week, we're going to have more Pop-Tarts on the shelf, okay, for you to get. And instead of people buying country squares, they waited for Pop-Tarts to become available and they bought wow. Pop-Tarts and eventually post-drop-selling country squares because they couldn't make a dime off the product they invented. Amazing. Okay. I mean, it just, just, and when you understand the power of this, that's why if you don't understand Bringle, if you don't understand the power of this, then guess what happens? Your biggest competitor can steal your idea and make a fortune from it. There's, you go to um, Home Depot and um, JB Weld is a is a considered the most powerful adhesive glue. It sticks, you know, plastic to metal to wood and all that stuff, and all these things stick together with JB Weld. But who beats them? Hmm. Gorilla glue. <laughs> gorilla glue. It's like gorilla glue. Oh wow! You know, I mean, Odwalla uh, was uh, juice that was owned by Coca Cola, and so these guys came up with the juice to compete with them. And they called it Naked Juice. Okay, so they were embarrassed. So they came up with Naked with Small on the label. And so they were not selling. They were selling a bit, but not a lot. And then so one of the uh, they had graphic designer working with them. They said, we need to redesign the package and make the word Naked big. And they said, okay, fine, we'll do that. They When they introduced the new label of Naked Juice, it exploded past Odwalla and became the major uh, wow. juice brand in America, all because of the word naked. They did again. I'll go back to the mommy who uh, who created a Facebook page that has five million fans and spent zero. How about you know these guys understood? You have to understand it. You don't have to hmm. spend a lot of money, and suddenly it gives you a it, it, it makes a trigger go off in the buyer's brain where they go because you're driving down the street and you go oh, okay huh flames huh what mm -hmm. you want flames coming out of your product somehow uh, that will really get your attention. Let me give you. Another example um, as well. So I'll give you two examples. So this mom who, and her son who have no business experience whatsoever, they live in Utah. 
So the mom is sitting on the toilet, which is a great place to come up with product ideas. Okay. <laughs> She's sitting on the toilet and she realizes you really have to raise your, your feet about six inches off because sitting on a toilet, it's bad for how your body is structured. And if you can raise your feet a little bit, it's better for your body when you're going to the bathroom. I don't want to get too much into that, but you know, but, and so she raised this and she created this little, the idea of a, of a toilet stool. And so first they were thinking, should we call a toilet stool? I don't think that's really a good name for a product. My wife says they should call it the the, the uh, uh, stool stool. I don't think that works. <laughs> funny, funny, I got it, but I don't think that works. But so she said, um, so she said, well, so toilet. What's another word for toilet? And she was like going through synonyms, and she said, oh, potty. Okay, and then well, kind of, how are we sitting here? We're squatting. Why don't we call it the squatty potty? Within two years, in less than two years, they had $100 million of sales. These are people who had no business experience. $100 million of sales. In fact, they got on Shark Tank, and the investors in Shark Tank, they were standing in line to invest in them. Why? Because Squatty Potty, whoa, wow, whoa, that's interesting. Oh, I get it. That's a neat idea. It sticks to the brain. It helps people understand what the product is, but it sticks to the brain. And so that became massively successful. So this guy, so this I don't know why I'm getting at the toilet and stuff, but anyway, this guy created an electric razor for man's private areas. I don't want to get too much into that, but okay. And he's thinking of things, and he came up with an analogy or a metaphor, which is a really powerful brain glue tool. And he said, well, it's, you know, he, they must have been sitting, he must have been sitting with friends, and he came up with this idea, and he said, hey, it's like a lawnmower. ha. <laughs> Hey, what happens if I name the product the lawnmower and I name my company Manscaped for landscaping a man with a lawnmower? Yeah. He started laughing all his way to the bank. Okay. Yeah, his right. way to the bank. It became massively successful. I think they sold like over $100 million worth of, uh, uh, out of uh, uh, his uh, electric razors. Okay. And uh, he had a major company. I think Braun came to him and said they wanted to buy out the company. And he said, no, I can, you, you're get, offering me more money. You're not offering me enough money. I mean, he's like laughing because he's making so much money. So, I mean, I, I don't own a, <laughs> a lawnmower, but um, if I did, I wouldn't share it with friends. So let's start there. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but I'd share this with my friends. I say, Hey, guess what I just got? What? A lawnmower, a lawnmower. Why your lawn needs mowing? No, no, no. It's for shaving men's private areas the lawnmower and they start laughing and they share it with their friends. Hey, guess what? James just bought the lawnmower, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's word of mouth explodes. Okay. Yeah. It spreads like crazy. And that's what you want is you want to create a, a name for your product or your idea. Just like going back to stranger danger, you know, give a hoot, don't pollute. I have this mom that said, uh, but you want to come up with a name that resonates with the brain. I have this mom that says she's trying to get her kids to bed and she used a brain glue tool. She said, um, I would read them a story and they say, mommy, lead, read me another story. Read us another story. She has twins and then a, a, an old, a little older kid. And, uh, okay, read me another story. And she said, it drove me nuts. I wanted to tell them, no, I can't read any more stories. You have to go to bed. So she said, we came up with this little phrase. When the story's read, we go to bed. And she has the kids say, okay, when the story's read, what? We go to bed, mommy. Okay, good. So she'd read a story and I'd say, mommy, another story. Uh-uh. When the story's read. Okay, we go to bed, mommy. And they go to bed. She said, it works. It's amazing. It works. That's you know, awesome. because brain glue, it has to, it, it brain glue is about selling our ideas. Not, I mean, obviously, a lot of our ideas are products. Okay, yeah. so it's about selling products. 
If you sell a product and you don't know Brangle, you have a massive disadvantage. I work with Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Chicken Soup for the Soul. <laughs> he sold 500 million Chicken Soup for the Soul. He, he sold 100 million Chicken Soup for the Soul books and 400 million of the other books in the series. Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, Chicken Soup for a Cancer Survivor Soul. 500 million books. I mean, at more than two bucks a book, he's made over a billion dollars selling books. He doesn't need me telling him anything. He fell in love with the, So I'm going to tell you a, a, an error I made, okay? Yeah. He fell in love with my book. He got pissed off at me. He said, you know, I have so many books to read. I started reading a book. And I couldn't put the damn thing down. I said, I'm <laughs> sorry. Can I use that as a quote? You know, <laughs> he said, on one condition. So here's the condition. My book used to be called Sell more with the right brain marketing strategy. That's logical. That's not that's not emotional. Because <laughs> I'm a logical guy. This is for logic. If you're logical out there, you need this book because it shows you how to take your logic and make create emotional selling from it. Yeah. But so he said the whole book is about brain glue. You need to call it brain glue. And I'm like, you know, on with Amazon, you know, if you get like a 80, 90, 100 reviews of people reviewing the book, then they help promote the book more. And so I think I was at 80 reviews or something. And he said, no, you got to change the name of the book. I'll give you all the quotes you want. We love this book. He's forcing everybody. He's He bought copies for everybody in his company. And he's forcing them to read it and apply it because it's mm. easy to apply. It's My book is really easy to apply yeah. uh, the tools. But he kept he's saying, like, you can't, you know, you're torturing us by making us go right brain, emotional selling, and you're left brain title. No, you don't get to do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sir, yes, sir. You know, I mean, a guy sold over a billion dollars worth of books. I can't say no to him. And he was right. But I mean, but it's just, we tend to fall back on logic. And that's why a lot of people say, well, how do I apply brain glue? You know, if I'm a logical person, and the first thing is you have to get the logic out of your system. Mm -hmm. So come up with, if you're trying to come up with a name for a product or a way to describe it, Come up with a shopping list of logical ways how you want to describe it, like the toilet stool, okay? So the toilet stool is fine. Once you do that and get that out of your system, so now you're comfortable because you've written it down or captured. Whiteboards are really good, but, you know, you can use a mirror, by the way, and whiteboard pens that you can raise them off mirrors. It's really great. Mm. Or windows. But um, get that out of your system and then start applying the brain glue tools. Mm -hmm. And it becomes fun. I mean, I've got... Um, so uh, an early tool I had uh, for brain glue was switch your pitch if you want to get rich, okay? And I had another one that was um, brain glue teaches you, how, shows you how to light the fire of desire in your buyer. So if you mm. want to light the fire of desire in your buyer, yeah. brain glue can help. I went to chat GPT and I said, I started showing it some examples of what brain glue is and trying to get one. Of course, it has a hundred stupid, the stupidest things you can think of, but I had one good one. I thought... Why brain glue? Because plain glue doesn't stick to the brain. And I was ah, like, oh, cool. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's just this whole idea of, you know, when you apply brain glue, it changes your life. I mean, yeah. you know, Jack Canfield, I mean, he's a guy who sold over a billion dollars worth of books, but he's written lots of other books. He wrote Success Principles, which is a fabulous book, by the way. There are a lot, of, most of his books are really amazing. And he said, if I have read your book earlier, I would have changed the title of many of my books because wow. it helps me understand how to create a title that resonates more with the brain. You know, he said it helped him because he's Jack Canfield and he became famous and all that stuff. So when you're famous, you can do almost anything. So let me give you an example of something that's like a, a, a mistake that we make often. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think, uh, because we, here's the mistake we make. We see an ad from a, a rich company or rich people 
And we think, wow, that's a fantastic ad. I got to figure out how to create ads like that. But often it's famous because they repeat it over and over and over again or because it uses Mm. a tool that doesn't really help you. So remember the Got Milk ads? Yeah. And Milk Mustache? Yeah. Here's an article in Business Week from about 10 years ago that's called Got Milked. After $385 million, sales still continue to decline. Why? Because the Got Milk campaign, you know, people, I'm old enough to remember, like, you know, my grandparents had it, but that people, milk used to be delivered to your doorstep. Everybody drank milk. And why? Because it has calcium and they would say it strengthens strengthens your bones. Okay. So we figured calcium is very important. And then eventually they realized that calcium is good for all these other, you know, you can get calcium out of spinach. It's green. How come it has calcium? Because, you know, so you can get calcium pills and stuff like that. So there are a lot of sources for calcium. So you don't really need milk for calcium. Although it's good. But the second thing is a lot of people have um, lactose intolerance. Mm. Now, I don't have lactose intolerance, but I sort of think maybe I might have it. So I'm always limited by how much milk I take. So if you have lactose intolerance and somebody says, got milk, you might love the can or milk mustache. You might love the advertising. I have a daughter who has one of the milk mustache uh, posters, you know, or had Mm -hmm. it. I have milk, um, got milk and milk mustache uh, books, you know, I mean, they're really incredible. But you can buy the book or love the ad and not buy the product. You have to remember that when you're writing, you know, um, uh, Kia is a good example. I saw this ad for Kia, and I think it says, I'll, I'd love to see you in a Kia. But it doesn't give you a reason why you'd want to buy the car. Squatty Potty at least says you're squatting all when you're on the pot. I mean, but Kia is competing against all these, you know, Ford, uh, Chrysler, General Motors, uh, Honda, uh, you know, all, all the different companies. And so why should I buy IKEA? So if you're going to come up with a quote or a, a slogan, at least come up with one that's going to resonate. <laughs> Although <laughs> you have to be careful sometimes. I'll give you one. Okay, I'm going to give you a, a slogan. This is a major company. <laughs> and uh, they they eventually, they stopped it in North America because they said, we apologize that we were offending people, Okay. <laughs> Screw yourself. <laughs> That's their slogan. Now, when you understand who it's for, you, people go, hmm, that makes a lot of sense, okay? Who could the slogan screw yourself before? Ikea. Ikea furniture. <laughs> if anybody ever bought furniture from Ikea, nice. it comes with screws and often a screwdriver. Nice. You got to screw it together yourself. <laughs> screw yourself, okay? They still, I think they maintain it throughout Europe, but they don't use it in North America anymore. Screw yourself. <laughs> But, you know, but it, it certainly got attention. That's funny. <laughs> James, this has just been a master class. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, there are so many different applications of this. You know, in, in reading your book myself, I, I was I was really blown away by the practicality of these tools. I know people are going to want to stay connected with you and continue learning about this. What is the best way for them to do that? And where can they find your book? Well, it's on Amazon, so that's easy, and it's in bookstores. Yeah. Um, but if you go to yesbrainglue.com, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually get a lot of information. I have a cool Jack Canfield doing a quote talking. Oh, it's my favorite book of all time, or whatever he <laughs> says. <laughs> but he, but uh, it, but it actually gives you a lot of tools that come from BrainGlue. You know, Bra- I mean, BrainGlue. It's it's one of those things that if you're trying to be impressive to somebody else. And you came up with a, a a phrase that comes out of brain glue, like I'll use chiasmus as a good example. Yeah. It sticks to their brain and people go, whoa. And that's how a lot of people who are famous became famous 
Mm-hmm. You know, Warren, Warren Buffett isn't the only rich person who became famous. You know, people, a lot of people are rich, are famous because they're rich, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, but you don't hear quotes from them, you know, yeah. Bill Gates. Okay. How many quotes yeah. can you come up with Bill Gates? Okay. And he's famous. And yet Warren Buffett has a ton of quotes that people use all the time. Journalists love him all the time, too. So anybody who's trying to be uh, memorable, you know, Brain Glue shows you how and it shows you how to do this. OK, mm-hmm. and it's easy. What's this is what people are love love by this. You know, if I go through all the different types of Brain Glue uh, phrases, you know, people go like, oh, wow, these are really great. But I don't know if I can ever come up with one. And they start going through the book and they go, oh, this is so easy. Yeah. And they start coming up with them themselves, which is really fun. Now, it's fun for me because I get they share it with me, but it also is creating millionaires. I can't tell you how many people are, are contacting me and saying, I have this candle manufacturer. She made candles for Ellen DeGeneres and for other famous people. And then she realized, you know, I want to I want to make candles with a brand that really resonates. And so we came up with some brand. One of her products is called Nose Noodles. <laughs> funny. OK, it's actually really funny. But we also changed the name of a company to um, um, uh, uh, BetterLifeCandles.com, something like that. And it's just you know helping people understand it. She said, "I want to focus on candles that don't just smell good, but actually help people in ways that you know you can actually have candles that improve your concentration. Mm-hmm. You have candles that are you know." And so, and she's having fun because when we came up with names, I don't want to say the names yet because she's just introducing a bunch of the products. But she recognizes the power of this. Oh, I got to give you this example, okay? This guy, Brad Schoenfeld, is a fitness coach. He's considered America's top fitness coach. Hmm. So fitness coaches, what what do their websites say, okay? Hmm. JoeJohnson.com or JoeJohnsonFitnessCoach.com, MaryHudsonFitnessCoach.com or MaryHudson.com. What does his website say, okay? He's a fitness coach. (laughs) LookGreatNaked.com. Okay, you think that grabs people's attention? (laughs) Look great naked.com. He understands the power of like even your URL of your, you know, what your website is. I have these, uh, sorry, I just, I I know we're running out of time, but I have this story. These uh, three guys who, after 10 years and had a construction business, had $2 million of sales. That's not bad. $2 million of sales. Ha ha ha. In one year, I took up to 10 million. It took 10 years to get two. I got one year to 10. And then they reached 32 million two years later. And by the way, they razzed me. I took them from two to 10 million in sales, and they would say, Hey, Bond, it was supposed to be 12 million. And my comment went, Shut up. You know, <laughs> they brought each other the biggest BMW, they're Beamer lovers, you know. They, they bought each other a brand new BMW. So I got three Beamers in front of their business now. But how did I do it? So I said, Let's make a shopping list of all the different types of businesses you've worked for, you've worked for over the past 10 years. So blah, blah, blah. I made a shopping list. It took about an hour. Then it, I said, okay, let's play a game. Let's pick one. Let's pretend you're going to focus on just one and say no to everybody else. They said, well, we don't want to do that. I said, I got it. We're playing a game. Okay. So they thought for a while and they said, oh, fire restoration for insurance companies. You know, we've worked with two insurance companies. One gave us two projects and one gave us one project where somebody had a fire. And so we went and worked with them. And we can actually do really well on that. And he, he was telling me, one of the partners, because what we do with it when somebody has a fire, we go in, the first thing we do is we check the frame. If the frame is damaged, you got to tear down the whole building. But if it's mm-hmm. not, then you put it up, make sure it's not going to catch fire again and all that stuff. And so we can actually, that would be fun if we specialize on that. So I said, using brain glue tools, okay. So if you're going to insurance companies, what's the first thing that comes to their mind when 
uh, if they're, you know, when they're a project comes up that could be good for you. Fire, the word fire. So let's make the word, let's make the word fire part of what we're saying. Uh, and I said, let's call you guys the fire extinguisher for insurance companies, okay? We don't put out the fire, but you call us after and we'll extinguish all the problems, okay? <laughs> and we said, let's get the website firex.com. So I went with them to the first two prospects and I said, so blah, 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 we're talking to them and having fun. I said, yeah, we're called the fire extinguisher. Think of us as your fire extinguisher. Anytime you guys have a client has a fire, call us. We'll be your fire extinguisher. And clients would laugh. Laughers are buyers. Okay. Yeah. Remember them? That's right. The lawnmower. Okay. And so they started laughing. And when we got back, they started getting calls. Over and over and over again, they went from two million after ten years to ten million in one year, just because people every time they get a client with a fire, I got to call my fire extinguisher. Hang on, <laughs> firex.com, you know whatever. And they just did that, and it was like such a simple thing to do or to say, and yet sales exploded. And that's why it's just so powerful. Yeah. It's just so powerful. That's why even I get mommies doing it, and I get business people doing it, and it's like you know we realize as people are realizing. You know, people are saying, I don't want my competitors to read your book. And I said, like, why? Because I screw them, you know, because I can, I don't want them stealing my ideas and making more money than me. But I also want to, you know, anytime I hear or see a really great idea, I want to be the one that has such a hot name that everybody buys my product. And it's just, it's, you know, it's just, it's so much fun. Mm. I just, I got lucky because I uncovered this thing that's such a, an essential part of how we interact. That it just you know it's just blowing people's minds. Hey, this is this is so fascinating. I, I know people are going to want to follow up with you and check out your website and check out this book. I really recommend that our listeners check this out because there's so many practical and helpful things in here that will help you no matter what you do or where you are, from moms to business owners. Right, everybody can benefit from this. James, thank you for your generosity today and sharing so freely and so openly in what has truly been a masterclass on Brain Glue. Thank you so much, William, for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to discover this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you go to CatalyticLeadershipBook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you, and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20-plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm currently learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take a next step with a coach to help you intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to help you. Just go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.